Good morning, if you have your Bibles. Uh, we're going to be in Matthew 6 today. Uh, Matthew chapter 6. Uh, let me tell you how today is going to go. Um, uh, I'm going to quote C.S. Lewis several times. Uh, it's unavoidable today. Uh, uh, I had to do it. I try sometimes to like, try to find other things which why C.S. Lewis quote, so you guys just don't, you know. I mean, the Wi-Fi password here is C.S. Lewis said, because everybody's a comedian, right? And everybody, you know, because I quote him so much. He helps me think of things, right? He helped me think about things. It's like having a teacher. I, I, I was formative. And so, but today it's just unavoidable. Uh, that, that, that there'll be many, many C.S. Lewis quotes. Uh, today, um, also uh, today, uh, I will do everything in my power uh, not to mention Phil Collins, uh, but I can't make promises. It comes up a lot uh, when I'm talking about this topic. Uh, so uh, yeah, let's just dive right in. Uh, we are in um, Matthew chapter six. We're in the Lord's Prayer. We're walking through uh, Matthew's teaching or telling us about Jesus, uh, this tax collector who knew him and walked with him, and he's written down this teaching. The first great block of teaching he gives us is called the Sermon on the Mount. And in the middle of the middle section is this prayer where Jesus says, this is how you pray. He actually starts off by telling us, don't pray a certain way. He said, don't pray for attention. And he says, hey, by the way, it just, it just occurred to me all of a sudden, like, well, what a gift it was to have uh, uh, Pastor Raphael and his wife Maria here today. Can you imagine someone trying to translate while I preached? That would be rough. <laughs> yeah, it's too fast, too fast. Uh, uh, so... Uh, as I was talking, I was like, I'm going too fast. And then I thought about that. Uh, so he talk, starts off by telling us how not to pray. Don't pray for attention and don't pray with a bunch of empty words. You don't have to summon up God. He's our father and he hears us. And then he says, instead, uh, pray like this. Uh, this is the Lord's Prayer. Matthew chapter six, uh, I'm gonna start in verse nine. Pray then like this. Our father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. This is the prayer. This is Jesus teaching us how to pray and telling us how to pray and, 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 and not just what to pray for, but how to even enter into prayer. It begins with our Father, which just sets us up in this beautiful way, immediately pulling us out of ourselves and directing us not only to the Father, but the fact that he is our Father, that we are adopted children through faith in Jesus Christ. And then also with the word our saying, we're given a new family. It's not just my father, but it is our father. We have this new family that he's given us. And then he rolls straight into this, this phrase, hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. Honored be your name. So these words, uh, hallowed, um, hallowed means uh, to make sacred, to set apart, holy, like revered, um, supreme, supremely special right? Um, incredibly valuable. So like a hallowed space would be a space that was special, more valuable than other spaces. And so he's saying that we want your name to be hallowed. And in God's case, to hallow him means to, well, he's the most important person in the world doing the most important thing. Can there be a more important thing than the one who created us and sustains us and saves us? Right? So the, the most important person in the universe doing the most important thing. So in God's case, it's bringing worship, starting worship by asking God to set apart who he is 
in our mind and in our hearts uh, as set him apart as supremely great and beautiful and valuable. Hallowed. Uh, and his name, a uh, name means different. Uh, uh, a lot of times names don't mean anything uh, in America. We don't, we don't we, uh, more so now than maybe when I was growing up. When I was growing up, just every boy was named Chris. Uh, as we're all Chris. If you were born in 75, all your, all the, all, you're all named Chris, and uh, you're all called by your last name. So it's weird when people call me Chris, because my whole life I was called Culver, because everybody my age was named Chris. Unbelievable. And so uh, we didn't mean, why? I don't know. That's what everybody was naming their kid, you know? And so, uh, but names meant something. And not only did they mean something, it, it meant something about who that person was. Uh, it was their reputation. E- even more than their reputation, in New Testament times, you see the name often having to do with, um, like, the nature, the person's actual nature and personality, Right? So, as a matter of fact, in Matthew, Jesus tell, uh, uh, they're told, uh, uh, Joseph, uh, Jesus' earthly father is told, name him Jesus, which means God saves, because he will save his people from their sins. Right? So, when you knew their name, you knew something about them. Right? And so, uh, that's what he's talking about their name. The name and the activity, the things that they do and who they were, go, go together. It, it's ultimately about knowing him. Right? Knowing the name was about knowing that person, to know something about them. And so to hallow God's name is to make great what we know about him, that he should be revered, not just the name, the word, not just Yahweh, but all that he is and all that he stands for. Hallowed be thy name. So this petition, this prayer is asking God to set above everything else uh, as high and central and important uh, who he is to us, uh, to his people, and, and to the whole world. Uh, that what he is like and what he has done would be known. Uh, God, use your infinite power and wisdom to set my mind and this church's mind and this world's mind on you, to admire you and to value you and to praise you, Uh, that people would know him and know what he is like. In some ways, this is asking uh, in our mind and our heart that Jesus would be made great in our heart and in our minds and in our families and in our lives. Uh, Because, right, when he says, God, make your name great, that's knowing him. And and if you want to know what God is like, you need to know what Jesus is like. As a matter of fact, the disciples at some point go to Jesus and say, Jesus, would you just show us the Father? And Jesus goes, what's wrong with you? If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you want to know what the Father is like, you look at Jesus, it's amazing. As a matter of fact, if this is something you're wondering about and want to know more about, there's a book uh, out here on the information table. Uh, if you're going to read it, you can have it for free called uh, Gentle and Lowly. It's an amazing book about what God's heart is like. To know him, that he is a God of love that has pursued us. May, the whole, may, may, may that shape my thinking and my living. May that shape my family and this church and the whole world. May, they, may who you are and what you were like and what you've done in Jesus be known everywhere. That is what he is saying. Hallowed be your name. Jesus is, uh, a lot of times we run into prayers with our troubles, right? Which you should. You should take your troubles to Jesus in prayer, to God in prayer. Um, But um, we should do this. But Jesus has helped us out with this teaching about prayer by 
asking us when we run into prayer with our problems to maybe just sit them down for just a minute. Right? You run into prayer and you have these things and you go, you know what, first, let me sit them down and let me just praise God. Let me adore him. You are my father. To remind myself who he is. You are my father, but you're not just my father. You are the God of heaven. You are the God of creation. Not only that, let me just, let me just praise you for a second. Let me hallow your name. Let me list the things that you have done and what you are like, and then I will pick up my requests, and maybe I handle them and hold them a little lighter because I've reminded myself who you are. Um, To rehearse that he is our father and what he is capable of will help us hold these things better. Um, When we bring our needs and our worries, and you should, uh, to God, um, it reminds us what we really need uh, for God's name to be great in our lives. Uh, who he is and what he's done to be great in our lives. I come so often with my specific things and my needs and it's in this hallowing process, in this praising process that all of a sudden I realize, you know what, the thing that I wanted was wrong. And what I need instead is to understand what's going on, not so much to have it change. That so often happens in the process of prayer when we remember who our father is and what he has done and how he has loved us. It's so helpful for us to know what he is like, but we enter into prayer and it's so helpful to lose ourselves at the beginning, to find him, right? To remind ourselves who he is and then move into our praising. Move, sorry, move into our asking. Um, we're talking... Hallowing, look, we as humans, we're going to hallow something, right? We're, we're going to make something holy. We're going to set something apart. Uh, we are for sure, as groups we do it, as individuals we do it, there's something that is holy and set apart that we cannot violate. It's pretty common these days for that thing to be yourself, me. I am the thing that is holy and righteous and cannot be violated. No one gets to tell me what to do and how to live. My will is not up for debate. And when we go to God in prayer first, it reminds us that his will, first of all, is much power, more powerful than ours, and that because of his great love, his plan is much better than mine, no matter what I tend to think on a daily day basis, that God is going to do more for me than I could ever dream of having my way. Um, one of the things, we hallow all, all, we hallow all sorts of things. Uh, one of the things that we uh, tend to hallow, uh, we can hallow a, a relationship, we can hallow, a, a make holy and righteous and, and not something that can't be, not, not just for debate, a relationship or uh, um, what people think of us or status. I realize, that I, you know, one of the things that I, uh, that I hallow in my life that I make holy and set apart that dictates how I live uh, is uh, freedom. I have to, I really struggle to like commit to things. People are like, hey, you want to do the blah, 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 whatever it is next Friday. It could be the most amazing thing in the world and be like, I don't know, I'll get back to you. And then I won't. Because I, I'm, I want to do me. I, I want to do the things that I want to do. And so uh, the tendency is to, uh, we were with people, uh, this is a couple years ago, we were with people, Wendy and I, and uh, I didn't know them. Uh, Wendy was involved in that. I was involved in this situation. And so we're out with them at the end of the night. They were like, you know what, man? This was so much fun. We should do this more often. And I said out loud, nah, I'm good. (laughs) And my wife goes, 
man, he's just kidding around. He's just joking around. Like she gives me the out and I go, nah, really, I'm good. Because, because in my head, the thing that's not, that you cannot violate is I don't want what I do with my time. I, that's, that's just, it's supreme in my, th- you could come to me and offer me the most entertaining thing in the world to do, but if I had made up in my head that I was going to make a pizza and read a book, I'm probably going to do that. You know, I, I just, I have this in my, I don't know why I need to control my time so tightly, but it's something that I've hallowed and set apart that dictates everything else. As if I know best what to do with my time and not God. That's why I get so frustrated in traffic. You can tell uh, what you uh, hallow, what you set apart, what you find is holy, the thing that's special and is is above all value to you uh, by how you act. It shows up in how you live. It shows up what you get upset about. It shows up in what you care about, what you think about when you are left to your own devices. It helps us to approach God not only as Father, but as one who is to be hallowed, whose ways are higher than mine. Not my ways, not my will, but his. It helps us so much. It helps our prayers. It helps undo all of the things in our life that we would put in his place, all the things that we think are more valuable. It moves those out of the way. And it puts our needs and our hurts and even our sins in their proper place, and our thinking and our feeling, when we understand who he is. Matter of fact, I would, I would probably argue uh, that if you didn't have enough time uh, to ask God for the things that you need and to do this, that you should just do this, right? If you only had time for one, do this, because God, doesn't, God knows what you need. God has not forgotten what you need, but you tend to forget who he is. So if you only have, do, have time to do one, remind yourself who he is. And then do both, because you have time to do both. Right? Then do both. You are his child, and it is great news. It is of great advantage to you and to me that our Father is the supreme authority, the reigning king, all-powerful, all-knowing, all-present king of the entire universe. That is of great advantage to us. God deserves and should receive our respect and our honor and our praise because that is what he is owed. And it is good for you and me, but we have to get out of the way. And that's what this prayer helps us do. The opening of this prayer helps us get out of the way so we can be reminded that his will and his ways and his name are so much more valuable than mine. What we're talking about here is praise. Um, and you get, you get, you get a, it's a great chance for you to practice it this week, right? Right? It's the week of Thanksgiving. Uh, there will be family in town. And you can tell what you value, uh, right? Like, do you, let me give you an example. May, uh, do you value, if you're the one preparing the meal, do you value the family being there having a good time more or less than you value how good the meal that you made is and how much praise you get for it? I'll tell you in my heart, I kind of care more about what you think about my meal than I do. And I got to fight it, right? I have to remind myself, these people are more valuable than this amazing chick turkey that I've brined for days, right? This turkey that I have smoked so the skin is perfect, the Brussels sprouts with the pomegranate thing that I made myself. Do you know how difficult it is to do that? 
I want you to be amazed at that. I could care less if you have a good time. That's my heart goes there. Isn't that terrible? Because I need to be praised. I need to be valued for that. Instead, to we'll find out this week in this, this interaction how much progress I've made, right? In these areas of reminding myself what is important. What is the thing that I truly value? What is the thing that I praise? Because that's what we're talking about, praise. We're commanded in the Bible all the way through it to praise. It's hallowing be your name. It's praising God. And we're commanded to do this like all the way through scripture. Psalm 96, oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Psalm 103, bless the Lord, O my soul. Forget not all his benefits. Isaiah 12, sing praises to the Lord for he has done gloriously. Let this be made known in all the earth. Ephesians 5, addressing one another in psalms, hymns, spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. We're commanded to praise God all the way through Scripture. C.S. Lewis struggled when he became, when he was coming to faith. He said one of the things that he struggled with most, right, when he was right on the edge, and even when he became a believer, he said even this is one of the first things that he really struggled with. It, it kind of bridged before and after was the fact that God told people to praise Him all the time. He said it bugged him. I'm, I'm just going to read it to you. This is better. Uh, so he starts, like says, I, when he first became, uh, began to draw near to God, and for some time afterwards, uh, it was a really stumbling block for him uh, that all these religious people demanded that we praise God. Um, and he says, we all despise the man who demands, uh, who demands continued assurance of his own virtue, intelligence, and delightfulness. We despise still more the crowd of people around every dictator, every millionaire, every celebrity who gratify that demand. Thus, a picture at once ludicrous and horrible, both of God and his worshipers threatened to appear in my mind. The Psalms were especially troublesome. Praise the Lord. Oh, praise the Lord with me. Praise him. And why, incidentally, did praising God so often consist in telling other people to praise him, even telling whales and snowstorms to go on doing what they would certainly do anyway? And worse still was the statement put into God's own mouth, whosoever offer me praise and thanks, he honors me. He's like, it really struggled that God constantly told people to praise him. And then he says this. He said, I missed the most obvious fact about praise. Whether God or anything else, strangely it escaped me. I thought in terms of compliment, approval, or, or giving honor, I have never noticed that all enjoyment spontaneously overflows into praise Unless, sometimes even if, shyness or fear or boring, uh, boring others is deliberately brought into check. The world rings with praise. Lovers praising their mistresses, readers their favorite poet, walkers praising the countryside, players praising their favorite game, praise of weather, wines, dishes, actors, motors, horses, colleges, countries, historical personages, children, flowers, mountain, rare stamps, rare beetles, even sometimes politicians and scholars. I noticed, had not noticed how the humblest and at the same time most balanced and capacious praised the most, while cranks, misfits, and malcontents praised the least. The world rings with praise. You know why? We were built to do it. We will praise something. He says this, I had not noticed either that just as men spontaneously praise whatever they value, so spontaneously they urge others to join them in praising. Isn't she lovely? Wasn't it glorious? Don't you think that magnificent? The psalmist is telling everyone to praise God. 
or sorry, the psalmists uh, in telling everyone to praise God are doing what all men do when they speak of what they care about most. We can't help doing it about everything else we value. I think we delight to praise what we enjoy because the praise not merely expresses but completes the enjoyment. It is, in, is, appointed, it is its appointed consummation. It's not out of compliment that lovers keep on telling one another how beautiful they are. The delight is incomplete until it is expressed. God tells us to praise him because we were built to do it. Our full enjoyment of it does not happen until we have expressed it. You know this in your life. That's what Lewis is saying. He recognized, listen, you ever meet a grandmother that has with a new grandbaby? Man, I can't wait to show you pictures. They want you to feel the joy that they feel. We celebrate the things that we love. You see a new movie that you're mind blown over. What do you do? You have to tell somebody about it. You have to. Why? Because the consummation of enjoying a thing is praising and inviting other things to praise. That's what he says the psalmist was doing. You see why I had to read C.S. Lewis? Like, it's just, it's it's so good. It's so good. It helps me so much. We are called to praise God, not because God needs our praise, but because he loves us and it helps us. As a matter of fact, Paul, right in the Romans, says that not praising God makes us dumb. He says, this is Romans, he says, Romans, uh, uh, Romans uh, 1. For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. They knew God, but they didn't praise him, so they got dumb. They just got stupid. We, our thinking becomes futile and they become trapped in it. This praise, this, this, this praising God, it's, it's, it's in some ways a rehearsal. Uh, it, it not only expresses our heart, but it shapes our heart. Uh, sometimes you'll find somebody 10 years uh, uh, into marriage, you'll have a conversation with them, or maybe it's you. That you get long into marriage and uh, 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 seven, eight, nine years or whatever, and all of a sudden you look over at the person and you all of a sudden the thought jumps in your head, how could I have married someone with knees like that? How did I not notice their knees? And then all you can think about is their knees. Or like you begin to blame them for stupid stuff. Like how is my wife always in front of the drawer I need to be in? How is that possible? Like what are you doing? Like, how Did you map out the drawers that I would need today and just decide to stand in front of them? Like it's insane. And you begin to think about that and you meditate on that and you rehearse that in your head. And what happens? You're slowly driving a wedge in that marriage. But it works the other way too. If you think of the thing to praise them for and you rehearse that praise, it shapes your heart. Our just human nature is to, to rehearse the negative. And God is helping. Jesus is helping us saying, you rehearse the thing that is true in your marriage and, and the thing that is valuable and good. Rehearse that. It happens everywhere. And also we need to rehearse it in our heart about God himself. It's some way a rehearsal that shapes our heart. It's preparing for the time when, uh, as Lewis said in a different book, every day is better than the day before. There's a time coming when every day is the day better than the day before, and we will praise it. Uh, it's a, uh, this is a, a, a Dunn, a John Dunn, poet John Dunn said this. Uh, he uh, talked about this. He said it is uh, a tuning of our instruments. Lewis said that 99.9% of all worship is probably bad, right? It's probably incomplete. We haven't done it the way that we should have done it. Uh, and he says, but... 
it is tuning our instruments. Uh, at the opening stanza of Dunn's poem, Hymn to God, My God in My Sickness. I gotta read it to you. It says this, Since I'm coming to that holy room, he's talking about dying, since I'm coming to that holy room where with thy choir of saints forevermore I shall be made thy music. As I come, I tune the instrument here at the door and what I must do then, think here before. Isn't that lovely? It's a tuning of the instrument, preparing to praise God forevermore. It's unbelievable. Lewis says this about that line. The tuning up of the orchestra can be itself delightful, but only to those who can in some measure, however little, anticipate the symphony. So good. He's so helpful. We in our praising God, we'll always be complete. It'll always be imperfect. Don't think that you're going to get it exactly right. It does not matter. It is tuning our instrument as we anticipate the symphony of his return and God making all things new. How beautiful, how special. So we we learn to praise others. So we learn to praise and we learn to pray in this way from others. We, We need other people's words, Right? That's why when your anniversary rolls around, you run out to Hallmark, right? Right? Because you need somebody else's words, right? We, we do it all of the time. There's a breakup. You need a songs, right? Like all of a sudden you understand all the sad songs if you ever go through a breakup. Like if you're in high school or college and you go through a breakup, all the sad songs make sense. That's why we need Phil Collins. Oh, dang it, I did it. That's why we need Phil Collins to help us understand. When it happens to us, we need other people's words to make sense of it. That's what the Psalms are for. That is what so much of our, I think it starts in worship for most of us. When we sing songs like Come Thou Found, that says, Come Thou Found of Every Blessing, tune my heart to sing thy grace. If we sing together when we sing Come Heavy Laden, his yoke is easy and smooth, his burdens all are light. And his commandments, though severe, is infinite delight. We need those words so we can pray them, so we can praise God ourselves. Abide with me. Hold thou thy cross before my closing eyes. Shine through the gloom. Point me to the skies. Heaven's morning breaks. Earth's vain shadows flee. In life and in death, O Lord, abide with me. I need those words. They help me. Rock of ages, cleft for me. Let me hide myself in thee. Let the water and the blood from thy wounded side which flowed be of sin the double cure. Save from wrath and make me whole. We sing one called Power to Redeem. It has this amazing line. I don't, we've sung it for a while, but I did not notice it until last time we sang it. It's a great line. No guilt competes with innocence crucified. No grave can hold what your grace has justified. When we praise God and this shapes us and moves us in this way, it is transformative. You see it all the way through the Psalms. Uh, Psalm 63 says, oh, I'm using a different Bible, so I'm having trouble finding Psalms. It's really big. All right, here it is, Psalm 63. It says this. Uh, don't tell my wife I licked her Bible. Psalm 63. Ah. Uh. All right, I found it. Oh God, you are my God. Earnestly I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you as in a dry and weary land where there is no water. So I've looked upon you in the sanctuary, beholding your power and your glory because your steadfast love is better than life. My lips will pray. I would rather have your steadfast love than life. 
I need those words. So I will bless you as long as I live in your name. I will lift up my hands. My soul will be satisfied as with fat and rich food. My mouth will praise you my, with joyful lips when I remember you upon my bed and meditate on you in the watches of the night. For you've been my help. In the shadow of your wings, I'll sing for joy. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. But those who seek to destroy my life shall go down to the depths of the earth. They shall be given over to the power of the sword. They shall be a portion for jackals, but the king shall rejoice in God. All who swear by him shall exult, for the mouths of liars will be stopped. This is what we need. We need these words. This is where we learn to praise, where we learn to adore, where we learn to worship, where we learn to praise him, to move ourselves out of the way so we can understand what we're going through better, so we can endure it. So we end up asking not so much for God to change this situation, although we can ask that, but God, whatever it is that you were doing that I do not understand, may you be praised in this. May I have the strength, be with me, sustain me through it. That is powerful. That is transformative. So our role is to, as a community, to come together and to practice praise, as individuals, as families, to practice praise. Start by making his name great in our hearts, yeah, in our prayers, in our songs, so that we will believe him more, so that we will trust him more, so that we understand that we are adopted by grace by what Jesus has done, that we have this great affection of the Father, not because we have earned it, but because he loves it. So when we screw up and when we mess up and we don't praise as we should and we sin and we go our own way, we know what he is like and we run back to him. We grow up into this and praising him and praying this way helps us. And also, we, we make his name great in the earth, right? We sing these songs to each other. We sing them to the powers and principalities of this present age. We make his name great in the earth. As a matter of fact, uh, in Exodus, one of the commandments, one of the Ten Commandments that God gives is that you shall not take the name of the Lord in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. It's not just talking about using God's name and cursing. It's talking about wherever we go, do we carry God's name with us in a useless way? in a valuable way. We get to go wherever we go and carry his name with us. God really does want to fill the entire world with tiny little images of him that glorify him, make much of him, and the whole world sings praises of his great love and his great joy. And our joy will be complete when we can do that every day better than the day before. So we long for that day and we wait for that day. And, and we rehearse. And one of the ways we rehearse is by communion. We're going to go into communion in a second. Uh, and I read this uh, the other day. I thought it was so great. He said that one of the beauties of communion is that instead of bringing our offering, we receive Christ's offering for us. Instead of sacrificing to our God, our God sacrifices for us. And instead of worshiping something that will consume us, we, have wor- we worship a God who invites us to consume him. I thought that was really well said. So we're going to do that. We're going to continue in worship. Uh, they're going to sing songs. They're going to come up. I'm going to pray. And then we will bring communion and, uh, out. And uh, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, this is a meal for you. This is part of our praise. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the gift of your word, for what you have done, for how you have shaped us and made us. 
for how you have made us for yourself and how we will not be satisfied in anything other than in you. You have made us for yourself. We long for that. We long for the day when there are no more tears, when the world is made new, when our joy is made complete. In the meantime, thank you for teaching us to pray, to value you and your love and what you are like above all other things, that you have pursued us, that you have chased down, chased us down, that your steadfast love, your pursuing love, your long-suffering love, we were made for it. May we surrender. Lay our deadly doing down and surrender to your great will, to making your name great in our life. May we make much of you. In Christ's name we pray, amen.